Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hello, final dears. This is Kim, and this is my origin story. My love of horror started young and never stopped. My parents got divorced when I was about two, and my mother and I moved around a lot. She had issues coping with her life and circumstances, so she drank a lot. We did a lot of bouncing around from place to place all before the first grade, from our own apartment to back with my dad to moving in with my grandparents. Point is, I got thrown around a lot. A lot of babysitters, very unsupervised. My parents basically let TV and VHS tapes raise me. My first love and horror? Creepshow. I watched this film so many times, I probably wore out the tape. I brought it with me to whatever home I was being dropped off at that day and would be completely memorized each time I watched it. My one grandmother even recalls babysitting my cousin and I together. My cousin would always want to watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Meanwhile, I would have my beat-up Creepshow VHS ready to watch yet again. The funny part about that was, I was terrified of the last segment, They're Creeping Up On You, probably until sometime in middle school. I used to fast forward through it with my eyes closed, peeking every so often so I could see if I could hit play again. Always wanted to watch that ending wraparound story. The crate, however, was and is still my favorite in the film. I think Fluffy is adorable, terrifying, and simultaneously wanted it as a pet. I still do. I made a point to tell Tom Savini that when I finally got to meet him in Chiller Theater a couple years ago. Creepshow is the film that started it all for me, but many more films were soon to follow. I remember being seven or eight, maybe younger, and my mother on her good days would bring me to Blockbuster and rent me anything I wanted. I specifically remember seeing the cover of Halloween 4 on the shelves of the horror section and I had to see it. Something about that blank face and empty eyes called to me. After watching part four, I had nightmares of Michael stalking me in the streets of my town. Most children would stop watching. I wanted more. I watched all the Halloween films, then A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. I even wrote my own sequel to the Halloween franchise in the eighth grade. My grandfather read it before I could hand it in and was absolutely appalled. He took me to the guidance counselor at school to protest that this was abnormal. Something's clearly wrong with her. To my relief, though, the counselor and my teacher just saw it for what it was, a kid trying to be creative in her realm of choice. I recall I got a B plus, maybe an A minus. He may not have been a horror fan, but some of my family members were. I'll never forget walking around my hometown at night with my other grandmother, teasing her with a, they're coming to get you, Nancy. You see, she made the mistake of telling me that she saw the original Night of the Living Dead at a drive-in when it first came out, and that it still terrified her to this day. She also introduced me to Night of the Comet. And the Creepshow VHS? That was my father's. He's a big Stephen King fan. Next thing you know, I'm in high school discovering Italian horror films like Suspiria, Cemetery Man, and Deep Red, as well as Asian horror like Battle Royale and Three Extremes. My home life was rocky to say the least, but I always had my horror films. Nothing in them was ever as terrifying to me as my day-to-day life at the time. They were my safe haven. They still are. I remember around this time my grandfather would preach to me that horror films had the devil's mark in them and I was essentially being seduced by Satan by watching them. My response? 
I put Scream on during the epic opening death scene and let it play. Then I paused and hit rewind. I said, see, she's alive again. It's fake. We're safe from Satan. He wasn't amused. My entire horror collection was taken from me and put in the basement. I essentially snuck them back into my room one by one, and he never really bugged me about it again. Probably figured it was a lost cause. My poor grandfather. Rest in peace. I also remember spending hours on the floors of Suncoast Video thrumming through DVDs asking one of the employees who was a horror fan and the man who introduced me to Joe Bob Briggs years later. So thanks, Drew. Things like, hey, is Zombie Lake worth watching? Because this cover looks great. If I went missing at the mall on a Friday night, nine times out of ten, my friends knew they could find me in that horror section at Suncoast. Eventually, I moved out of my home and ran off with a guy who was no good for me. Whoops. Even then, I had horror by my side. By this time, I was drowning my troubles in Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead, and Shocker. Really 80s gems. I particularly fell in love with Return of the Living Dead 3 around this time as well. Somehow, Zombie Romeo and Juliet was a better love story than what I was experiencing at the time. I know. Yikes. Horror films are my favorite security blanket. Even now in my adult life, with the past in the past and things much better than they've ever been, I still find pure joy in discovering films I've never seen before and absolute comfort in rewatching old favorites time and time again. I just recently watched Tammy and the T-Rex for the first time and fell madly in love with this ridiculous film. I subjected my boyfriend to it on Valentine's Day and he laughed his ass off. It's now going to be a yearly tradition for us to watch together. Horror keeps me happy, it keeps me young at heart, and oddly enough, over all these years, has kept me sane. Who knew? The bonds of horror certainly are strong and everlasting. Thank you for listening. Okay, awesome. That was an awesome, awesome origin story from Kim. Um, you know her and you love her on Twitter uh, uh, as Zool, and her Twitter handle is no Cam only Zool, a reference to Ghostbusters. <laughs> I love that uh, handle. So <laughs> we we adore Kim. Kim is actually one of the first people to send us a origin story and at the time we hadn't really the the at the time i was asking people for origin stories or was thinking about them we didn't have the podcast really underway yet and it was after a little while that i thought oh what a good idea to make these you know episodes of um of Dear Final Girl if people are agreeable and so instead of asking people for written submissions that's when I started asking them like okay would you be willing to record this because um, we'd love to hear your story in your words um, and then we you know we, we provide our color commentary <laughs> after the fact um, is so, that what this is color commentary <laughs> yeah that's what it is I'm calling it that okay I'm calling it's it's deep red deep red color <laughs> <for our> commentary. <laughs> so do you have some initial initial impressions Gosh, there, there's so much going on here. Um, uh, like what really stands out to me is her, um, her uh, description of her relationship with her grandfather. Oh yes. Um, you know the how her grandfather 
was it's it seems like he's genuinely concerned about her um and then the teachers and the guidance counselor are like it, it's gonna be okay and it, it's lovely to see kim's um like her she's come to terms with it as an adult she's say you know okay it, it, there's there's a difference of opinion here uh you know look there she is alive again we're safe from <laughs> satan but you know then she also says you know rest in peace like the that we can it's it's refreshing to see especially in our current times that they can have differences of opinion like that and still you know love one another and yeah that it doesn't yeah, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting it's kind of a twist right for the for the teachers and the guidance counselor to actually support. I was like, you know, if this was a John Hughes movie, you know, they would have sided with the grandpa and they would have they would have shut that shit down, you know. It's like, wow, that's totally and completely refreshing to hear of the uh, enlightened adults, you know, in, in the school system. And I'm, I'm sure that you were one of those, Tamara, because I know that you used to be a teacher, so. Oh, you would have been that You would have been the cool teacher going, it's okay, nobody's going to die, it's <laughs> all right. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't think I ever had to um, explain to a parent what fanfic was and, like, that it's a, it's a healthy release of... Oh, goodness. Oh, I mean, we, we did have a lot of parents who just creativity in general was a scary thing. And um, I feel like Kim and I are around the same age. And if she's like sort of middle school, is that satanic panic time? Yeah, that would have been the 90s because so like in the in, in 90, like that would have been like the early 90s. Yeah. In the early 90s, I was in college. So if you take, you know, yeah, you take about 10 years off that or nine or whatever. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that comes up a lot. You know, um, I, I remember you and I at one point had started to read together. Um, I think it was called The Teen Horror Cycle. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was about the horror film in the 90s and really um, that I haven't finished that book yet, but I did. I was really into it when we started it. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to revisit the 90s, not as a mixed up uh, late teen, early 20 something and just just <laughs> read this whole backdrop with some perspective and right. Um, you know how a whole different variety of horror came out of the 90s and we, you and i've talked about this with scream like these kids are just they're just like they're over it you know they know all the things and seem much more self-possessed and it, actually as i'm talking about loud it makes me wonder well then how did the viewers feel because i remember when we watched scream 
you know, I'm almost 50 years old and I'm like, the confidence of these teenagers is like disconcerting to me right now because mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I have that level of confidence to this day. <laughs> right. um, but I guess these kids were inspirational for some and probably maybe not so much for others. I don't know. But Yeah, well, maybe it's their confidence that's part of the horror. <laughs> you know how easily all the conclusions just seem to come right right yeah <laughs> yeah you know and I, I guess since I referred I just referenced my age I'll continue on that theme <laughs> I'm always worried that I'm gonna like express like old person opinions uh but here here we go again uh I'm like oh god you know there's such a, to me, a vital uh, part of the um, discovering horror experience that um, I think is lost a little bit. Not being able to go into that video store, not being able mm -hmm. to see the cover of that VHS and that DVD. Now, I mean, we still have that, right? Because thank God we still have used, used, you know, used media stores. Mm -hmm. um, but seeing the cover of, you know, seeing the cover of something in a digital format as a preview on Amazon, it's just not, it's just not quite the same right. as, you know, walking into the horror section the way that you, you always did and just wanting to find that new thing. I mean, and, that's how I feel about bookstores and libraries. Oh, yeah. Like so much of a bookstore or library experience is just walking around looking at the covers and whoever said don't judge a book by its cover like obviously didn't go into a bookstore because <laughs> oof yeah it makes it makes a difference I mean that's part of the that's part of the hook yeah. um I remember recently uh, I don't remember if it was, it was probably Arrow Video or, or something like that. They released a new and remastered, well, they released a remastered version of My Bloody Valentine, which was a slasher from the early 80s. Uh -huh. And of course, when they reissue now, it's just got like all these extras. Not only on the DVD or the Blu-ray, God, I'm still fucking old. Um, the Blu-ray, pardon me, the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, it's not only what's on the Blu-ray, but it's what's with the Blu-ray. So for mm. that particular release, there was all kind of um, like new and original artwork. Ooh. And I just, I remember thinking I really want that because I wanted that extra media right with the you know with the actual film yeah and I, I think that that's a um that's really a, a fan's thing that it, it almost sometimes I think that that commentary kind of takes is like a poor substitute but it kind of takes the place of talking to that video guy the guy that works in the video store because oh, yeah you know that local expert is kind of gone but now you get the director or the actors themselves doing commentary and things like that and um so you kind of get that inside 
information just in a different way. It's not nearly as personal, I think. It's not as personal. I mean, I can't help but think of what's the character's name in um, Scream who works at the video store? <laughs> Is it? Oh, gosh. I, I have it in my notes right here. We could go back. <laughs> uh, but the. Um, you know, so I just retweeted like last night or two days ago um, that uh, there's somebody talking about Scream 3 being the worst of the whole Scream franchise and somebody brought up that it's, it's actually the best. I don't know. I... I've never seen Scream 2 or 3, but, um, oh, uh, I think his name is Randy. That's it. It is. It's yeah. Randy. So apparently in Scream 3, there's a video that surfaces where Randy, uh, talks about, okay, if none of this is making sense, well then maybe you're not... Uh, in a series, maybe you're the part three of the trilogy. And if you're watching this, then I'm dead. <laughs> wow. And you know, I feel like we are in a part three renaissance right now because, you know, over the course of the past several years, movies like Halloween three, which I have always loved. <clears throat> I mean, now it's sort of like, Oh, it's just becoming this like really beloved classic. Now I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, but I still <laughs> think that like Friday the 13th part three is one of the worst horror movies ever. I mean, and not like bad in a good way. No, just just bad, just just <laughs> bad, just sort of uninteresting. Oh. Um, now that's like practically sacrilege because it is in part three that Jason actually gets the hockey mask. So, but gotcha. that's probably the best. That's probably the best part of that movie in my opinion. But, um, <laughs> the only redeeming factor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kim, one thing she said, and I mean, this is like, I mean, this really kind of pays off the whole, the whole concept of origin stories. Kim talked, Kim is able to identify as, as so many horror fans are, what is the movie that started it all? She says that, and it was Creepshow. Mm -hmm. That's what started it all. Like, that's what put her on that path. And, you know, she had it on VHS. She wore out the tape. This also speaks to kind of the, occult, you know, just the, um, the difference in the times. Because now it's all about, like, you know, an ever-increasing level of digital, visual, audio quality. And back then, having your worn-out VHS tape or, like, kind of the waves are starting to <laughs> right. that was like That was, like, practically part of the movie itself. Yep, yep, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I, gosh, I love the, you know, the fight for who's going to watch what, you know? Because now kids, it's like, okay, you go over here with your iPad and you go over here with your iPad and... You know, everybody's got screen time, but you don't have to share the screen time. And 
in our house, in my house growing up, it was Free Willy was my younger brother's favorite. I think <laughs> I always wanted to watch Land Before Time, and my older sister always wanted to watch E.T., and E.T. was terrifying to me. Um, like, when they start coming into with the suits and whatever to, ugh, where is that PPE these days? Sorry. Exactly. I was just going to say, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that has a very COVID ring to it. Right. <laughs> but, but what's interesting to me is that, you know, family members let the kids watch this video of creep show and then also this video of peewee's big adventure and let me tell you large marge is a terrifying part of that movie <laughs> there's you know there's redeeming things like him dancing to tequila in the alamo <laughs> but like um i think it's i think it says a lot about the family in that they're so um, accepting of all of these movies. I, I don't know Freak Creep Show. Um, is it like a, a compilation? It is, yeah. It's an anthology. Um, it was Stephen King. You know, that's one that I have become more acquainted with more recently it wasn't like kind of my movie back in the day mm-hmm. um but um but a lot of people cite that one and i do like um i do like the anthology horror approach and it's cool to see like how many fans there are of that particular format mm-hmm. and you know kim said something really interesting it's like she said I think there's a degree to which the adults were understanding, but also, and I never tried, I don't want to, I don't want to overread when it comes to, I don't want to make any assumptions about, um, uh, you know, the, the psychology of the people involved and people's family members. But Kim did say, you know, it's like they, they let, you know, they let, they use TV and movies to help, you know, kind of help raise and occupy her. And a lot of parents back it, I mean, a lot of parents do that. I mean, even today it might be a little, it's the same thing. I mean, it's like you said, screen time. It's like, and that is, you know, because we are recording this while, um, COVID restrictions are still in place. Um, gosh, parents today, like, Hey, your kid, your kid's back home. You are schooling them during the day. You are feeding them during the day. You are doing all of these things. And also trying to hold down a job. Yeah. That's really, really hard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and it, but it, but you know an example of like the 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 supportive was was Kim's mom letting her go to Blockbuster Video and she's like seven or eight years old at the time she got to pick out anything she wanted. Oh my God, my parents never ever ever let me do that ever. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. My parents were of the 
like in our house, the age restrictions for drinking were just as uh, important as the age restrictions for movies. So it says PG-13. We can't argue with that. You have to wait until you're 13 to watch it. <laughs> I'm sure it was just like a... Well, you know, the government says it's thir age 13. It was just a really easy way to shut that down. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. Maybe, you know how, like, you see, you see, like, kind of back in the old days, like, people would have pictures of, like, the, they'd have a picture of, like, the president, and they'd have a picture of, like, Jesus <laughs> yeah. and, like, Martin Luther King. And then maybe they should have also had, like, the MPAA PG-13 register. <laughs> like, these are the yeah. these are the principles that, you know, that govern our, our house here. <laughs> Which is funny because I've mentioned this before, that my parents let us read anything we wanted right. to. And, I like, I guess that they thought that the barrier to entry on reading something was you know, more difficult than watching a movie, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's about like, you know, with movies, it's like the images with, with, with movies and TV, you don't have control over the images that your child sees. Mm -hmm. But when you read, even though, I mean, a good book paints, paints, good pictures there's a, there's there is a certain part of your mind that is filling in exactly what things look like and maybe that's that seems safer yeah maybe i don't know yeah um something that really and i i feel like we've something that kim said that um i thought was great and i think that we've heard this in varying degrees is that you know when she went and got Halloween 4 and she was like you know that mask was was everything and then she had nightmares about it and the nightmares caused her to go watch more movies <laughs> like you know the most kids are like nope that's it done yep I'm done yep, I'm never out. watching another movie again um, but she dove right into it mm -hmm. and I wonder if something that she said later after she talked about how her horror tastes kind of started getting more sophisticated and branching out but that nothing was as terrifying as the day to day like yeah. even when she was real young those nightmares are really safe because they you know who the monster is there Right. Yeah, it's very clear. It's yeah, yeah. That's that's an excellent point. It's very black and white, and in that world, that makes no sense. Somehow things make sense because certainly not for the characters involved, but as a viewer, there's a code, there's a formula, uh -huh. and you get used to that. Um, and then, of course, you know. I don't know, since we've been talking about Scream, then as a genre, you do need a movie like Scream to go, okay, the slasher formula has been completely exhausted. Something new has to happen to breathe life in, into this genre. And people right. were ready for that. You know, I think people right. were ready for that. I, yeah, she does say that she talks about, um, you know, uh, horror being 
um, horror being her security blanket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, it, it's so, I, I don't do it on, I don't do it on these episodes because like I said earlier, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to delve too deep into the psychology because I don't want it to be perceived as being attached to the person who submitted the story. Right. Um, it's more something I, I'm likely to write about, but I do, I, the, the general question that I often have with horror is what is the nature of this attraction? Because like you said, some kids, they'll see something and that's like, hey, I'm out of here. That's it. Whereas for other kids, it's like that is the beginning of the journey. And I kind of think of it as the um, as the as the the chicken or the egg. Like what comes first? Something in you that makes you naturally receptive to what horror has to offer, or does horror does horror um, sort of put things in you, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's both. I mean, I think you can't, it's really hard to tease that one out, but it's a really fascinating, it's a, it's a fascinating question. Yeah. Was the place there all along or did watching the movies sort of build that space in you? That's an interesting, interesting way to look at. And I I think that um, Kim has built a space where this is uh, something that she is able to find that safety and security um, and share it with other people. You know, she Mm -hmm. mentioned watching Tammy and the T-Rex on Valentine's Day, which I just love. (laughs) Um, Tammy and the T-Rex, the T-Rex gets her boyfriend's brain. Is that the... I haven't seen it yet. I just now, it's like I've, I've only started hearing about this movie recently. It's got Denise Richards yeah. in it. I don't, I don't, but you, it sounds like you have a, you sort of know to some degree that, yeah, that's like one of the plot points of that. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I just, I think I was probably watching, uh, <laughs> I'm such a third party via Twitter <laughs> like there's so many people that I follow um, on Twitter that are talking about horror uh, horror movies that I get like little snippets of things and mm-hmm. and you know uh, we've talked about this many times before that I am a fairly n- newbie um, but I think I, I think it would be interesting to, if I had the ability to ask him something, um, is her current boyfriend a fan of horror movies or is that something that she's kind of introduced to him and that they're learning to love together? Yeah, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I will actually reach, just reach out to her and ask her that question and that would be a good a good thing to um that would be cool to 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 answer that in the tweets um that support the release of the episode so i'll i will for sure ask her because it is interesting you know sometimes you um um you meet people where it's just you're both you both already share that interest and then in other cases you're kind of 
one person brings the other along. So I'll ask her because I, I would like to know. I would like to know that as well. Right. Yeah, and she talks about the zombie Romeo and Juliet and how that <laughs> uh, speaks to her. Um, is that Reanimator? Is that the? What she mentioned she... Reanimator. I think I was so busy writing notes that I missed the. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. But that um, you know, that's a a really sweet thing. Like I think that everyone sort of has their version of love story whether it's I mean Romeo and Juliet is kind of tragic not kind of tragic it is tragic right <laughs> but um, you know and I think that being able to um, sort of translate and see your relationships in these art forms is is really powerful you know yeah that's a great that's a great point yeah and even if you can't yeah i i because I, I remember for valentine's day the local uh the local um cinema here in nashville local independent horror cinema full moon cineplex Ooh. which uh, we're all very deprived of right now because of covid <laughs> but i definitely look forward to its opening but i remember being just like so excited because for valentine's day they did my bloody valentine and it was i was so excited i mean the traditional valentine's things are never going to be my jam. Mm -mm. Although I have to say just earlier today, I was watching an episode of Parks and Rec and I don't even, I don't know the show well enough to even know the characters, but there was a scene like these two people are dating and it was their first Valentine's together. And the guy gave the girl like all the cliched gifts and that's basically what he said. He's like, I've never had the opportunity. Like I've never been with somebody at Valentine's day that like, you know, and was able to, to do this. He even gave her like a fake kind of like heart of the ocean necklace, like from Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who, is it, is it April and um, Andy? Well, I know the actress is Rashida Jones. Oh, so, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was whoever she was dating in the, you know, her character was dating in the show at the time. And I will tell you, I will tell you that there's a part of me that's like, you know, it might be fun. It would be like an ironic Valentine's Day. It might be kind of cool to get all of those goofy things just to like, I don't know, just to have that experience. But at the same time, my idea of a good Valentine's Day is yes, my bloody Valentine at my local, my local cinema. And it's interesting that night, it was so interesting because they had um, the um, Ben and Stacy Dixon who owned the theater, they had put little um, kind of fake silk uh, flowers on, on all the tables. And um, the guy who's the organizer of the meetup group, which often meets at Fullman Cineplex, Derek, super nice guy, he literally brought roses for, uh, did I tell you about this? You did I tell me about this. He brought 
roses for all of the the women in the meetup group. Like this was not a, a an inexpensive right. gesture. I mean, they were like in glass vases and everything. And I was kind of surprised at like how delighted I was by it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I listen, I <laughs> love that stuff and like I'll sneer at it because that's who I am. Right. But like when it actually happens, it's really nice. It's really it nice. is. It is. That's that, that's all that love language stuff. Like, are you is your love language, you know, acts of service <laughs> or validating words, you know, or Ooh. whatever. But we got kind of far afield there anyway. But yeah, gotta ask him about her. Well, I mean, but your <laughs> your love language could be Tammy and the T Rex. So it could be. Movies are a lot horror movies as love language. I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I definitely like that. <laughs> oh, I was very jealous. I was very, very jealous that in high school, that Kim had already discovered Italian horror and Japanese <laughs> horror, uh-huh. um, because I didn't discover Italian horror until my late 20s. And then when I did, like I was already a horror fan and I had been since I was a kid. But there was something about discovering, for me, Italian horror that that was like, that was kind of like a watershed moment. That was when, like, my commitment to, like, I really knew that I was a horror fan in a deeper, in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I just am, I'm just so fascinated by what it must have been like to discover those kinds of films as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sophisticated. And I think that I wonder if the internet has a lot to do with that. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. if Kim is my age, then, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time between the ages of 14 and 24 just on the internet, 14 through 18 in like chat rooms and things like that. But then later, um, just, you know, chatting with friends and things like that so um but it also sort of opened up a a a way for um you to discover new things right like discover new um uh (laughs) new genres and new uh place uh and especially if you're a really big fan, you're probably going to seek out those things. You can seek out the the places on the internet where, you know, horror movies are a thing. So yeah, and you know, there's the darker side of that too. I think we've t- talked briefly before about the whole Slender Man thing. Oh. Like, oh God, that really started, that started as an internet thing on Creepypasta. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it played a role in those two, those two young girls who, I mean, it has been established. They were already having mental health, right. you know, issues at that point. But, you know, they tried to kill their best friend, you know, so... It's just, geez, you know, it's like the, the, the positive side and the dark side for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well there, I'm sure that there were plenty of, 
people that I talked to in my first couple of years on the internet that were not the teenagers that they purported to be. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And all, really quickly, they wanted to know where you lived and if you could meet. And it's like, uh-huh. uh, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, there, I love one of the, uh, and I, I don't know where we are in our discussion, maybe, maybe reaching the end. Um, when Kim said, you know, even today horror keeps me, you know, happy and sane. Yeah. Happy. Wait, let me say that happy and sane. I want to make sure it doesn't sound like I'm saying happy, happy and insane. insane. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And it, you know. Uh, for those of us who are hardcore fans, it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, part of kind of my own new chapter of horror being part of how I stay sane is I'm just trying to seek out new stuff. Um, and, um, you know, I'm kind of learning like what I'm, what I'm naturally attracted to, like I really like a stylized, atmospheric horror movie. Just, just naturally, kind of love films like that. Um, you know, anything with really, really powerful visuals. Um, I was just, I was just talking to to my friend Martin and saying that you know I've realized that the kind of movie that just really I have such a hard time with is a movie where you know, like the character is usually family, they're trying to start a new life, and you know from the very beginning that they're fucking doomed. Right. So like every minute that you're watching the movie, it's just this slow creep toward an inevitable bad outcome. And um, recently there was a film adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Color Out of Space. and Nicolas Cage was in it. It was actually a really good film, but that's very much a part of that film. Mm-hmm. It's just like these these characters are not going to uh, they're not they're not going to escape you know their fate. Now the point the point that Martin made is that there are all these tangential characters to that family who I mean life is going to go on for them it's going to be different so they're not they're not bound they're not bound by those same those same rules so i mm-hmm. thought it was good to have that point as a contrast right right yeah that made me think of the conjuring which is oh. like i feel like the conjuring is just a twisted version of the money pit <laughs> <laughs> like those two movies exist in the same universe, but just like opposite sides. One, one's in the underneath. <laughs> and you know, it's making me realize like this could be a fascinating topic to explore. Often in those stories, Tune in there next is a time for another organ story from your mm-hmm. The family is in financial peril, or they're starting to make, they're trying to make a fresh start. Money problems are a part of it. Like I think Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. you know, the same with Color Out of Space. Um, I, you know, if I had thought about it ahead of time, I could probably name a bunch more. But that that's kind of an interest because that's one of our, you know, that's tapped into our fears that are related to security. You know, mm-hmm. can we provide for ourselves and our families? So. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. What what else? What else can we say? I don't know. Um, I love the way that Kim uh, was talking about how she was, you know, taunting her grandmother with "They're coming <laughs> for you, Nancy." Oh, that's that fantastic. is wonderful. That was so wonderful, and it's like, <laughs> you know, even how. You know, adults and children, they learn, they both learn about one another's vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a one way street. It's like adults are definitely in a position to tap into and in some cases abuse children's vulnerabilities. But sometimes kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> They can give it right back, which is which is good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But definitely, you know, this I, I just love I love every aspect of Kim's story. Mm-hmm. She she did she was one of the first ones to submit an origin story to us, and it was in written form at that time. I may have mentioned, and, but she really wanted to do the audio, and we really wanted we really wanted. Um, to have her her audio and my apologies to her for it taking so long for us to get this uh, to get her episode out I think we had done um, we had done um, a dear final girl letter from Kim Mm -hmm. and I think I got confused at the time that we had actually done both we had done her letter and the origin story so public apologies to to my dear friend Kim for that for that oversight. I'm I'm glad we're where we are now because this was this was um, a great a great story. Yeah, and if if I recall correctly, Kim uh, spoke about her love of writing in her yes. original letter, and yes. I think that this really speaks to like Kim. You're a writer. The the yes. images you're using in this the. Um, descriptions, the the little anecdotes that you're using to describe. You're a writer, honey. Like, just dive into it. Head own first. it. Definitely, yeah, yeah definitely it. own it. Because, like, even the pacing, you know, the pacing of her writing, the way she transitions from different aspects of her story. I mean, just yeah, totally smooth and polished. So you go, girl. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I think we've come to the end of another origin story. Yeah, and so our plan is, our plan is basically that May is oh, going right. to be all origin story month for Dear Final Girl. Um, and the plan is for Kim's, um, Kim's episode to be, to be the first of those mm-hmm. in May. And then we'll have a few more and um, we'll look forward to kind of being able to to dive deeper into these these episodes in our uh in our in our catalog if you will (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah well i guess you know the only thing to say is stay safe from satan yeah stay safe from satan everybody (laughs) do not let you know Do not let, I mean, don't, please don't take COVID as like, it's a sign of the devil. Like, right. don't do that. Also, um, don't, don't drink bleach, please. Don't drink bleach. Oh my God. Don't drink bleach. Don't inject yourself with 
Don't eat Tide Pods. We've talked about this before. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard to discern what the real horror movie is right now, but... It is. Um, it is, but, yeah, but it, at, least, uh, at least horror movies uh, do provide their own unique form of escapism, and for that, we are grateful. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, oh. Kim, for your letter. Yeah, thank you, Oh, Kim. it's not a letter. It's a... For her stories. Whatever the thing. This thing that we just did that... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you, Kim, very much. And again, Kim is uh, on Twitter. Um, Her handle is at no Kim, only Zool, and Zool has two U's. Um, And uh, until next time, everybody stay safe and spooky out there. Yeah, absolutely. See you later. Bye, final girl. Bye, final girl.